When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things real housewives. My name's Ellie Nunn and today he is higher than Teresa's hair. It's my co-host James Evans. Hello. <laughs> oh, hello you. Oh, hello. Hello down there. I, it was one of my favourite bits of the wedding is that when she came down the aisle and every single interview is just people laughing <laughs> about her hair even in like a sweet way being like you you know what it made her happy it made, it made her. you know in this crazy time that we live in where there's so much hatred and anger and division i think that's one topic that really brought the nation together yes that and the 1500 bobby pins that held it all together give her the nobel peace prize i hear here i got a belly laugh out of it just cutting to margaret and just going gorgeous <laughs> <laughs> She's so funny. <laughs> oh, gorgeous. Yes. Gorgeous. She's at her funniest when she's just saying like a little thing. There was like one season where it just cuts to her on vacation in the hotel room and she's like, I'm going to have a plum. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Um, how are you doing? I'm feeling great. I just got my green card. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I was just saying to Ellie before we recorded, I just did an Instagram story saying, oh my God, I finally got my proper green card after all these years. But I did it purely because I just found a funny photo of Yolanda Foster at her citizenship hearing. And she's got this American flag scarf on and she's got like, for some reason, inexplicably three mini American flags sticking out of her blazer breast pocket. (laughs) And it was just very funny. And I, I actually, I just wanted to use the image and that was a convenient excuse. But now I've got loads of people commenting, not saying, ha ha ha, you're so funny, which is my primary source of affirmation. Mm-hmm. But I've just got people very sincerely being like, that's incredible. Congratulations <laughs> so much. And it's like, oh, I don't want that. Mistaken earnestness. It's the worst. <laughs> oh no. Now everyone knows that my life is going well and I'm bragging. Oh, I just want to be recognized for self-deprecating humor. Yes. It feels like a, a major miscalculation. Absolutely. Absolutely. I did love your use of the, well, I got it. That, yes. that was the other one. So good. Well, I got it. Oh, she's I got it. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> no, you can't use that. <laughs> Jane, can we, Jane? How am I, James? I'm, uh, I'm feeling deeply self-conscious. Yeah. How are you? Uh, because <laughs> apparently my microphone crackles when I move. So I'm now having to stay as frozen as possible. Like a, like a, like a... Like, like a, Danielle oh when she's getting gosh. her breasts checked no. and she's just there with a sort of stony, statuesque patience. What is the word I'm looking for? Oh. Like like a sitter for a portrait. Like patience <laughs> on a monument. Smiling at grief. <laughs> Aye, sir. It's like Mona Lisa. It's just uncanny. I am all the daughters of my father's house and all the sons too. Oh my God. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> 
right. Oh my God. I went out for dinner the other night to a pub establishment Mm -hmm. and there was this little little French bulldog (laughs) that literally moved. It scuttled like a spider and can only make what I describe as this noise. (laughs) They do that. That's a very good impression. Scuttles around the pub. It made me laugh so much. <laughs> yes, that's very good. Very good. Oh, Anna. thank you. So you can do impressions. <laughs> but only of French bulldogs. <laughs> and Camille Grammer. <laughs> that's my exclusive repertoire. That's your wheelhouse. <laughs> and Paige Thingy, who played Belle in Beauty of the Beast. Pedro Hara. In fact, I used to be able to do all of the Disney princesses really well. It used to be a good party trick I had. Oh, I, I don't bet. think I can do it anymore, but I used to be able to do the vib on Snow White's um, We saw you work. That is going to be horror. When you play that back loud in people's ears, dogs will howl. <laughs> it's because I told you about the crackling of your microphone and now you're doing, you're pulling out every vocal trick possible to give me grief when I'm editing this. And I used to also do a really so good impression you. of Jennifer Lawrence in The Hunger Games going, Peter! Mm. Um, there was a bit when she was like, I'm going to hold my mic away because this it. is going to be loud. <laughs> when she used to be like, because if we burn, you burn with us! <laughs> wasn't even very good it used to be better i'm out of practice no i do remember you doing it for me like 10 years ago and i was very impressed at the time less so now but it was good (laughs) i think it sounded like fossy bear or the cookie monster just then hey that's the way to my heart a good henson impression right i Love talking about Scandival last week, but it's good to get back on track with Housewives. And I felt like we got oh. very serious with Scandival. I was going to say, before we get back on track, can we talk about oh. <laughs> um, the first episode of it just like that? Oh, yeah, great. I want to well, get... I can't talk for long because um, <laughs> cause I have to go. You didn't watch it, did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I didn't watch it. Because I literally watched up to Miranda falling out of a sensory deprivation tub and I was like, I'm done. Oh, my God. And Puss out. No one loves Sex in the City more than I do, the original series. I'm, I'm absolutely adore it. But, oh, my God, this second series is even worse than the first. I just can't. I could, right from the first 30 set from the f- opening montage of them all having said, I was just like, this is just awful. I feel like such a basic bitch now because I was at my gal pal's place up in Harlem and I had a little glass of Pinot Grigio and I was going, woo, my girls are back. There's sex in the city again, finally. Oh, and no. ended that first episode, I was like, that was quite good. Oh my God. That was quite good. Oh my God. It was your idea to message me and say, shall we talk about and just like that on the podcast? Let's watch it. I know. And I was like, cool, great. And then literally five minutes later, you're like, I can't. <laughs> I know, I'm so I sorry. Out. It's shit. Safety word needed. <laughs> Banana. Out. You got good coverage from what you did see. You got some Miranda strapping on a, a dildo. Didn't see that. You got Miranda. Oh, Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's horrific. It's a scene of Miranda trying on various different strap-ons and Shay Diaz is lying there in bed being like, can we make this quick? I've got a... <laughs> I got a gig tonight at nine o'clock at the comedy store. I got some new material I want to try. And it's like, oh, Jay, you old dog. I'm glad you're back. Worst person in the world. I saw the funniest tweet about the Jay Diaz, their line 
being like, everybody takes Uber in Beverly Hills. I had to get an oh Uber God. from the I'm bathroom obsessed. to the bedroom. Good night. And that was their closer. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like that was like the last line of their set. They said the joke. I was like, are you kidding me with that joke? And then it being the closer. Oh. I was like, that is filler midway through the routine at best. That is so it's funny. So sh- I was like, Actively at this point, are Ooh. the writers trolling us? Because I'd also been, I was so excited for this new season. I went down a journalistic rabbit hole where I read every, I scoured every single article and interview with any of the creatives, any of the writers or the cast, specifically about Che Diaz. And every one of them had a headline of like, yes, we've heard all the Che Diaz jokes and we get it. And you're like, oh, and then you read the interview and it's like, oh no, you don't get it. Everyone is a variation of, we get it, you know? The patriarchy's scared of like a sexy, brash, nonconformist <laughs> maverick. And it's like, oh, you don't know. They're just really lame and annoying oh, and not funny. They're, honestly, their stand-up routines are my favorite thing ever. <laughs> the one where they made fucking Cynthia Nixon stand there and look like her life had been changed and her eyes had been opened. She's like, oh! <laughs> Oh my God. It's like, you went to Harvard, Miranda. (laughs) Where is your pride right now? God damn it. But at least with that first routine in the first season... It was kind of like a TED talk. There weren't so me- so much as like jokes. It was still no, but there some was sort of that scene when Miranda that was, was like making co- or like making a drink and like pissing as I'm laughing, listening to the podcast. <laughs> <She> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> cackling. <laughs> I'd be driven to drink too if I had to listen to that podcast. Ay ay ay. Okay, I'm done. That was it. Should we hop into New Jersey? Ah. Oh. Uh, with a heavy heart in a way because watching the reunion I was like how are we back in this territory and I it was so exhausting and so pointless mm-hmm. and so undelicately done my favorite like I loved that moment in Teresa and Louis getting married where he was like on the hot mic moment finding out about the Instagram part. like that's the stuff we want where everyone just like screaming at once and not getting mm-hmm. any further with their point is so boring. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it just brought back all of where I got to when we did New Jersey. And I was like, I can't watch this anymore. There is something about watching New Jersey specifically, isn't there? Where it's like you do have to sort of tap into mm. a higher frequency. Probably a lower frequency, <laughs> actually. And do treat a lot of it like white noise. There's like the big cacophony. I have then- to have subtitles on. It's like Zontime. I mean, God, my God, how do the subtitles look? <laughs> it's just it's just indistinct chatter the whole time. Just complete run-on sentences yelling. all the time. <laughs> yeah. So I watched the Prohibition Party. And I did watch quite mm-hmm. a bit of this season. I watched like the first half. And then there's a chunk missing in my knowledge. And then I watched the Prohibition Party <laughs> and the wedding and I the reunion. your boldness every time to admit to having not watched the thing that we're meant to be talking about. It's truly incredible. Hey, when we talk about God, love the next franchise we're doing, I will have watched all of it. So, Oh my God, I can't wait. And, right. I, and I've been watching OC. That doesn't matter because we're not talking about OC. But <laughs> I got quite gripped by um, them going through coronavirus. It was mm-hmm. like that weirdly satisfying thing of being like, it's a bit like observational comedy. You're like, that's true. I remember that. I remember there was no new role. 
I remember. It's like weirdly cathartic. I honestly do think in decades to come, I remember at the time people were like, this is such a flop of a season. Why do they bother even attempting to film during COVID? Which is fair enough in many ways. However, I think there's an argument to be made that in decades from now, they are going to take The Real Housewives of Orange County season 15 and they're going to put it in the Library of Congress as a vestige of life during the pandemic. Well, as a vestige of how not to do it, because I'm sorry, often it was like day 14 of the pandemic and they're all sat on a park bench outside chatting where I was like, excuse me. I do not remember my pandemic being like that. I just burped out of shock. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) So angry. It was a very indignant burp. I wasn't seeing friends sat on a park bench outside. They're lying on, they're on a beach no less. They have back gardens and everything. I didn't have that. No. I was walking around Bed-Stuy every day. That was the highlight of my life. You were in a one-bedroom apartment with no private space. That was a lot. It was a lot. I would go out for my shitty little stupid old lady walk. I remember you calling me from the roof. Yeah, <laughs> you were like, I'm going to jump. <laughs> calling from the roof, being like, Michael's teaching another yoga class. I'm just on the roof. We basically lived in a studio. So whenever Michael had to teach a yoga class, I had to just sort of go against the corner. <laughs> like I was Tony Collette in Hereditary, up on the ceiling. And then scurry away. I told you about when when we, it was in like the third lockdown, I bought a load of garden furniture and Andy and I had an argument because I set up all this garden furniture and I was like, ah, lovely. And Andy was like, great, I'll tutor out there. And suddenly set up a Zoom, set up a little workspace. And I was like, no, hang on. No. <laughs> that was my little spot. That's not what it was meant for. Like, this will be my tutoring chair. <laughs> Bollocks it will. Get out. Exactly. And now he's moved out. So. <laughs> great. <laughs> Okay, um, should we talk about the Prohibition Party first? Let's just like throw out random stuff because basically this whole season, from my perspective, was a bit of a slow burn and I think the episodes that you did watch were kind of the relevant ones. I think it really kicked up a gear in the penultimate episode, Teresa's Wedding and then the reunion. Yeah, so the Prohibition Party, one thing that makes me a little bit sad on any of these shows, but I really like Dolores and it makes me sad this whole thing of now she has poorly she's the happiest giddiest little trad wife mm-hmm. and everything is this is my first time hosting a party with my partner this is my first like I find it sad how much everyone's like Dolores you're finally complete you got a man who wants to put a ring on it and I'm just like I much prefer what I like about New York I mean Luann doesn't necessarily provide this but that sense that they can all like get older and find themselves and be in their 50s and be like I'm discovering my sexuality discovering who I am and it's just a bit sad that everyone's like Dolores you're finally off the market yeah I think that's where I wouldn't call it necessarily a charm of Dolores because that sounds like an oxymoron she's kind of very charmless but what I think is interesting about a character like Dolores on a reality show because I feel like if she were a scripted character the writers would be caving under the pressure to give her that sort of happy ending where she finds her autonomy and she doesn't need a man to feel validated but actually life doesn't work like that especially if you're from that world I guess it's just a bit sad I genuinely think that's what she wants is to find a man and settle down he doesn't have to be the love of her life she just wants companionship and she doesn't want to be alone he looks like if Pixar made like an Augustus Gloop or something he's so like ruddy faced and Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's the other thing is there's this temptation to be like, finally, Dolores, you know, it's something different has happened. And it's not. It's basically instead of an Italian guy, she's got an Irish guy. And it's like yes. nothing else has changed about her or her circumstance whatsoever. But I guess she's got a ring on it. While I'm thinking about Dolores, just for a second, my big takeaway from this season was 
we need to get away from a summer filming schedule right now. I don't want to see all of them going down to that stadium and playing another charity softball match with all of the husbands <laughs> ever again. The fact that a Dolores event has become the natural successor to the posh fashion show is so fucking depressing to me. And we need to fix that now. I don't want to see any more antics down at the Jersey Shore. I don't want to see any more frizzy, humid hair. I want to see Teresa in a chinchilla yes. and Melissa making a slap up Thanksgiving meal yes. for her seven Bring sisters. Bring back the festive season. Yeah, no, I'm totally with Let's you. Let's do what we have to do here, yeah. as Kim G would say. Totally with you. Make New Jersey cold again. Otherwise, we'll have to just keep living in that like seven episode festive period from season three, just on a loop. Which I will do. I will Thank take you, that. Jesus. But I'd like a little bit of variation. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Props to Dolores, though, for throwing this prohibition party, because I think it's probably... I'm going to go on the record and say the only variation of a roaring 20s party we've ever had on The Real Housewives that wasn't shit. I mean, the party was shit, but at least there was something dramatic happening. Oh, what? They're normally boring? Normally it's just like, you're all going to be flappers. And then they're just walking around with cigarettes on cigarette holders that they're not smoking and not really doing anything okay yeah at least there was something explosive yeah that's true even though the mashup theme of a prohibition irish party doesn't make sense no because prohibition famously is not irish yeah <laughs> famously just american but yeah. also <laughs> but who am i to judge not sure what melissa was wearing in terms of the 1920s garb it was like 70s disco that's what i love about melissa though whatever the costume is it's just going to be a variation of jennifer lopez exactly that's all she wants. <laughs> yeah exactly it's just like what would jennifer do it's just like 90s body shimmer oil right so yes we have the prohibition party and what do we want to talk about here in terms of i don't want to just do like a play-by-play of the yeah so assuming everyone's seen it when danielle reveals this bit of information that jennifer and Teresa had been talking to Margaret's former friend, who's very bitter that she's not on the show. Laura. Um, Yeah, Laura. And then she told them that Margaret told her that Melissa was seen snogging some guy in the back of a car. And when Danielle tells this bit of information, two thoughts. A, they really did shoot the messenger and really sent Danielle up in a way that I thought was quite unfair. Yes. And also, secondly, I cannot believe I'm saying this, Ellie but I'm kind of sympathizing with Teresa on this one. I agree that I know what you're going to say. I know exactly what you're going to say, James. That yeah. <laughs> the fact that Melissa hears it and does just immediately go, yeah, we already know. And you know who was there when we found out about that? Right. She's been needing an angle for this thing about Teresa and Louis mm-hmm. calling over Joe to come out and they use this quite ham-fistedly as yeah. that angle in. I don't mm-hmm. know if I go so far to say I'm on Teresa's side, especially because her reaction is... Uh, the way Teresa fights just annoys me so much. That thing of being like, why, why are you doing, why are you doing the loser? What are you doing the loser thing? For? And she's like, you, I'm yeah. doing it to you. And then it's just like, I'm not, look at you. I'm done. I'm done. Whatever. Just walking out. And it's like, that's not fighting. I can't stand the like, look at you, walk away. Ugh. You're right. It is such a giveaway that Teresa's in the wrong when she's having a fight with Melissa because she does it a lot in the reunion as well. It's very old school Teresa where... Melissa will make a point and rather than rebutting it, she'll just go to a place of like, right, yeah, thank you. Nah, 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 <laughs> right. Just goes immediately to the place of Elmo. A hundred percent. And it was just like, oh. Which means she's definitely done the thing that she's been accused of. But I, I feel for her in that 
it is a slightly impossible situation and maybe it's her own doing but she's gotten to a point with joe and melissa where whether it's her fault or not they clearly are going to assume the worst of her and as a result whatever Teresa does with that information would have been the wrong thing to do so look do i think that Teresa believes that melissa cheated on joe yes i do and do i think that Teresa was probably very giddy at the thought of telling joe and hoping that he would believe it and then leave melissa I also do, yes. There's nothing they could have done, and that's why they're probably right to get to the point where it's just like, cut the cancer out. There's so much ill will there. And especially now that you add Louis into the mix, who just enables and perpetuates Teresa's sense of righteousness over it. Like, there's just literally no point in them all, like, trying. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what would you have done if you heard this information and then you were Teresa and you told Joe? Because it does feel like telling him off camera before the season starts was probably the best thing to yeah, do. Yeah, no, I agree. Because if she told him on camera or she didn't tell him at all and we found out that she knew all along, that would have been worse. I, I agree, but I do also understand Melissa's stance is always a bit like, yeah. there's a difference between what would you do or what would Teresa do and therefore what should you be held to account that you should do the same thing, if that makes sense. And so I understand that from Melissa's point of view, it's like, oh, Teresa, yeah. if this was you, you know that if this was the other way around, Teresa would be like, you should have said, how dare you, that's my sister-in-law. How fucking dare you. Or that's my yeah. sister, I would never believe it. I'm not even gonna justify that with an answer or whatever. So it's hard because mm-hmm. it's like, I can see a logic side of going, Teresa's right to call him over and be like, I'm going to tell you now. But I also know that if that had happened the other way around, Teresa would be like, why are you even entertaining this rumor? Mm -hmm. Like, why are you telling him you should just be, if you was a good sister, you should just be like rebutting it. So I don't know. You would have let it go. So it's like, yes, in some ways, I think it was the right thing to do. But I understand why Melissa coming from a history of Teresa looking for reasons why Melissa's not there would read it differently or would like bite. Yeah, yeah, I feel it just reminded me a bit of Lisa Vanderpump's journey where the case was so much stronger against Teresa with the Strippergate thing. And now they've gotten her, but on something where it's a lot weaker. Totally. Oh, completely. And I agree. And I don't, I didn't find that that strong as a thing. I'm Mm -hmm. way more interested to talk about the most infamous person of this entire thing. Mr. Bo Deedle. Bo Deedle. What a name. Bo Deedle. You couldn't write it. He comes from the Monica Chacon school of tertiary Jersey cast members with such evocative names. Bo Deedle. Kind of name I like, can't. I don't want to hear anything else. Don't tell me anymore. I know his name and I know I have all the clues oh, I need. I love it. He just sounds like a grimy Jersey private investigator right out of central casting. It's so good. He also sounds like if you said his name three times, he'd appear. It's just amazing. Yeah. Bo Deedle. Bo Deedle. It's very poetic. It has like a lyrical bounce to it. Bo Deedle has got something on everybody in this room. He's got this and it. Bo Deedle. Bo Deedle. I give him a Ugh. call. He's going to be here any minute now. Bo Deedle do this. He does this. Ugh, so good. Say his name, Bo Deedle. I'm way more interested in that than, than them catching Teresa and Louis out on this thing of calling Joe. I, there's such this awkward push and pull with Louis, isn't there? Where obviously... As a human, I don't want to see Teresa's life get utterly raised to the ground by this sociopath. But also as a voyeur. I do. Bring it on. <laughs> Thank God he's here. It's terrible. <laughs> and also like his like obsession with therapy speak and all coming together. And then like when yeah. his eyes go all weird and he goes red and you're just like, oh shit. 
He really does walk the line between this woo-woo, new age, well-adjusted masculinity and then complete feral base violence. 100% where you're like, exactly. And you have these moments where you're like, maybe he is really good for her. Maybe they can just like do this whole love bubble thing. And he's just there being like, the way he talks to Andy Cohen and he's like, oh no, it's like, I've got it. You know, we'll make sure there's no violence. Things like that. And you're like, maybe he is kind of a good guy. And then it's like you say, this feral, this psychotic look that comes out occasionally where it's just like whoa and it has like a sensory effect as well i can really when he's talking i can like smell the chewing gum on his breath that, that he's chewing and i can feel bits of spit hitting my face with those wide eyes i, know. I can see every sun vein on his face as he's like getting redder and redder by the second did you see that episode where he has a sit down with joe gorga and he's telling him that he's wearing his dead dad's pajamas oh my God. to make Teresa and her daughters feel safe. No, they talked about that in the reunion. It's so... First of all, the only time Joe Gorgo has made me belly laugh is he just sits there with this cartoonish, wide-eyed expression where his mouth is just agape <laughs> and just doesn't say anything. And it so straddles the line between comedy and something completely unnerving. Oh my God. <laughs> I wear his pajamas at night to make them feel safe. <laughs> Oh. oh god but it's just so funny having him call jennifer and dolores over to their house the next day it's just so they can be an audience to this rambling wild-eyed diatribe about melissa and joe and how he's got this private investigator and you just see dolores go com- she just completely disassociates and goes dead behind the eyes suddenly there's just like a dog yeah. in her arms almost like a therapy <laughs> tool just watching Louis completely decimate any goodwill he's accrued over the season with this rambling Bo Dietl speech, I just find it absolutely fascinating. And I want to see more and more and more. Yes. It's such a plot twist I didn't see coming at the last minute. And also, if we are following the Brooks Ayers model here, assuming that he's going to go on some massive scam and he's going to ruin Teresa's life, I feel like we're due for that to kind of bubble over in the next season or so. So I absolutely cannot wait. Do you think that will happen? Yeah. I'm assuming at the very (laughs) least he's going to like divorce Teresa and take all her money because she didn't sign a prenup. No? At the worst, it's going to end up with Teresa going to prison again. And then surely the most likely thing is he's just going to take all her money. No? What makes you think that? Apart from him being like psychopathic. Ellie. (laughs) Teresa. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Well, I just, there's a part of me that's like, maybe they're just like meant for each other. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah, they kind of are. I won't disagree with that. But also they're like obsessed with each other. But then I'm I'm such a sucker for like what people put out. I'm like, oh, that must be real. I just think we've seen the love bombing. And now we're in the stage where he's isolating Teresa from her family. And listen, I've been the biggest proponent of like, okay, they true. should not communicate with each other. Just because they're family, that means fuck all. Like they're bad for each other. But the giddiness with which I think he sort of gets himself in there to kind of separate. Oh my God, I I've just remembered the date with the saxophone player. Yeah. <laughs> and he has that massive poem, like the one you wrote for your dad. Oh, scroll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, is, the, is it just me or Teresa's daughters? And I know that this is held up by like Teresa stands as the reason why people love her so much. It's all about family and how hard her daughters love her. I actually find it quite weird. The level of loyalty, the, the amount her daughters are involved. I know I probably shouldn't have, <laughs> my throat still hurts from my Jennifer Lawrence impression. <laughs> um, the amount that they 
They're like this weird little like team foursome of like mini Teresas. They are just one you know? homogenous clump of little Teresas. You're of so pink. right. And the way in the wedding episode that it's like they don't even want Joe's name like mentioned. And like just the way G is so involved where I'm like, it's so weird. And now that they're all going like, Louis, thank you so much. I'm like, this is all very... <laughs> I don't know. I know. I, my hope was that there would be sort of like an ab fab situation where Gia would be really sensible and quite intelligent mm. and sort of take on the mother role. And the, the situation would have been reversed. But yeah, it really does look like she's her mother's daughter. And all of them are. I was holding out hope for Gabriella for the longest time. She was just wandering around in the background like this sickly Victorian ghost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like she hated being on camera. And I was like, phew, thank God for that. And then she's fucking crying at the wedding at the mere mention of Joe Gorga's yeah. name. And then we have fucking Melania doing like a rosy wikili turn. Being like, she better shut the fuck up. I swear <laughs> to Christ. I don't care if I get locked up. <laughs> it's like beat for beat, exactly the same as that rosy performance oh, at that my one God. reunion. It's just completely so extraordinary. Funny. My God. Gia's a really annoying example of where Bravo fans can't make up their minds between you don't go after kids, kids are off limits. And then you have Gia who's like 21 now and she's getting interviews. I'm assuming she's getting yeah. paid something to be a part of it, inserting herself into it. And listen, I don't want to sound like an old boomer or anything, but like I certainly would not talk to my uncle the way that Gia speaks to her uncle and aunt. There's gotta be, there's no yeah. respect. Also, I just love in the reunion that bit when she calls Gia, but it just sounds like the fakest thing ever where she's like mom you've got to see this resort it's the most beautiful place I wish you were here it's just like who's ever picked up the phone to their mom like that (laughs) no mom Zio Joe never helped us no I did not say that he never put food on the table for us mom it's a little bit too convenient Mm. I don't know I don't know about that It's very suspicious. (laughs) Honestly, it's so fucking (laughs) easy. Take it back to a winter schedule. Bring back Danielle and bring back Kim D. Whatever it takes. Pair however much you put on the posh fashion show. What do you mean no? What's wrong? No, I said boom. Oh, I thought you were you were shaking your head. You gave me mixed signals there. All I heard was ooh, and then you shaking your head. So you're standing up for Louis, and you don't want Kim D and Danielle back. What the hell has happened? Woo! Oh my god. Was there anything else from the wedding that you want to talk about besides that? I'm curious. Why do you think Teresa was obsessed about having as sexual a wedding as like, what does that demonstrate? What's the point of being like, I want dancers with as few clothes as possible and nipple tassels? It is very Teresa though, because she, we've had this discussion before on the podcast and I would definitely file Teresa under the no nakedity file here she doesn't have any nakedity one of those people like i don't buy it for a second that bit when they're going upstairs and he's like can we have sex before we come back down and she's like yeah yeah because that's her relationship with sex it comes up a lot on the show and even back in the days when she was with joe judice where she talks about sex like a 14 year old girl talks about sex where it's like i don't think you've ever had it we do it all the time we do it here we do it here we lick each other up and down and the pineapple makes you and it's like talking like she's like read it in some like girly magazine or i'm gonna be like here and here and here (laughs) it's just i don't think that's true and everyone's like Teresa. I'll stop. Woo, Teresa. You know, you know who's driving me mad on that front is fucking mm. Kelly Dodd. 
if I have to hear one more time about her and Rick banging and about how that's all they do and I'm just like again like someone talking like a 15 year old who's got a partner for the first like a boyfriend for the first time I know we say it all the time and I'm but like, like it's such a it's weird so trope weird, so and lame. I never believe it and it's not impressive I'm just like you're lying no all we do is bang we just like we're just like in and out oh, uh, banging she talks about it like a teenage boy actually it's, yeah. yeah that's what's weird oh Get a job. She's literally like, no wonder Elizabeth, she's not getting any banging. Not like me and Rick. All we do is bang. Oh, we bang in the morning, bang at night. Bang, bang, bang. Oh, <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. I'm clutching my invisible pills. Someone said, so, uh, yeah. Quentin said to me the other day, I was talking about the filming I'm doing. And I was like, oh, it's a lot of swearing. It's a lot of sex scenes. It's, it's, it's not for me. <laughs> you said that's the, the oldest you've ever sounded. It's vulgar. It's some people's, it's not for me. It's not for me personally. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. Use your words, you know, talk about nice things. Exactly. But it does, it just felt, so I, in that sense, I feel like the wedding was a reflection of Teresa's take on sex, where it's like as sexy as possible without having any sexuality whatsoever. Like her yes. idea of something sexy is just skimpy clothing. Yeah, but like who goes to a wedding and is like, woo, nipple tassels. I mean... Like- this is what I loved about the wedding, kind of unironically. It felt very old school Jersey, specifically old school Teresa, where she's just this ditzy, loved up wife spending an extravagant amount of money on a tacky life event before her life inevitably turns to shit once again. And it did just feel like we were at Audriana's christening or something and Caroline Manzo was going to be in the background being like, oh, it's crazy. Oh my God, this knife throws. Oh my God. <laughs> I love Teresa. Those gorgeous. They're a crazy bunch. Yeah. And and you kind of see the same thing with her hair, where obviously it got a lot of flack from all sides of the internet, quite rightly, but it got people talking. And I just love how literally Teresa approached together. it. You know, it really did. And I just know that Teresa's line of thinking was, I'm getting married again, but this time it's going to be better. So I want my hairs to be twice as big. And it's just something so, again, nostalgic about the stunt that harkens back to a better earlier day in Real Housewives. It feels like something Kim Zolciak or Phaedra would do, those kinds of ridiculously Mm. extravagant clowns who think that bigger always equals better. Yeah, you're right. They're really an endangered species on Bravo these days. I really think Mm -hmm. that Teresa is the last of her kind. You're right. I love that it wasn't, like... Nice. (laughs) A Beverly Hills, yeah, it wasn't like a Beverly Hills, like, tasteful wedding. You're so right. And, like, not to, like, all roads lead back, but they just released a clip, like, a minute-long clip from the first episode of the new season of the new shiny New York. And it's just them being like, the party invite is black, gold, and khaki. Cool. Uh, and it just looks like it's going to be like a really tasteful, neutral uh, colour. Like, what the hell? Like, no. so in that sense, yes, the wedding is tacky. Yes, yeah. her, the hair's but not But you're flattering. very grateful for it's it. It's not aspirational, but it's ridiculous. And I love that she won't be shamed for that. having flat hair. Exactly. Should we talk about the reunion? Sure. La reunion. One of the most chaotic reunions I've ever had to sit through. Oh, I have a I couple more points actually out. about the wedding. Mm, okay. Mm, let me see. Let me see what my points are. I thought that I thought I thought (laughs) I have to say my thoughts about the wedding are I thought that Teresa 
it was interesting that she did not catch a break in this Teresa Gets Married special because it should have been a really light, fluffy episode. And normally whenever we've had that in the past with like Tamara getting married or Nini getting married, it's sort of tacked on to the end of the season, but it also feels like uh-huh. its own separate thing. And from the outset, uh-huh. there were visual things to sort of demarcate this episode. So the interview looks were different and the editing was very mm-hmm. deft. And it just generally had like a frothy lifestyle show on TLC kind of vibe. Yes. And even then, there was like a bit of a cloud with Joe and Teresa hanging over the proceedings. But because they weren't physically there, Teresa just sort of had the floor to like give her own take on events without there really having any pushback. So it really surprised me halfway through the episode that we did sort of get this tonal shift of hot mic moments from Louis where we see his mania poking through and all the business with Gabriella crying and Melania blowing up at her. And I'm shocked that Bravo in a way included those Mm. moments. Like I'm glad that they did. Yeah, because you're right. Those specials normally feel very like their own branded things of... This is nice and boring and yes that's why i don't watch it's for like the mums at home who love watching a wedding yeah and it kind of did feel like the editors were maybe subconsciously telling us no you really should be keeping an eye on louis because his darkness is so inescapable that we can't even cut it out of yeah it cannot be ignored even when we're trying to give Teresa her happily ever after edit it's just impossible that's so true i'll tell you who i found really annoying i found several people really annoying at this wedding though (laughs) margaret going to this wedding Actually, no, I loved the fact that she went to this wedding as basically an undercover spy for Melissa <laughs> because it's exactly the kind of thing I would do. I think it's only good going to a wedding when you're the most tertiary person there. The less you know the couple, the better the wedding is. Yeah. And you just go for the free booze and gossip and everything. However, I feel like a better housewife would have been transparent about the whole conceit and would have made it funnier. I feel like Jennifer Aiden, for instance, would have had a whole bit about it. And I just feel like with Marge... What, that Margaret went and- and cried and then left she like went and cried and then all of a sudden was like i can't be here i i, I go yeah. and it just feels like we're slowly losing the marge that i really fell in love with at the beginning we're sort of yeah. increasingly leaving a place of pigtails and coffee mate and then getting this quite dour humorless margaret where everything comes from a place of kind of like sanctimoniousness and it's a bit draining rather than entertaining yeah 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 yeah. i'm totally with you and then i was like rubbing it in our face that we had fucking jill's aaron there and i was like why the fuck aren't the cameras (laughs) following this woman around because you know for god's sake she's giving us tv gold and it's all for naught. She's getting the <laughs> gossip. She's being a big yenta and bloody love it. Oh. Also, I feel like yes. I love the treatment that Jackie has gotten this season where not only has she been demoted, but she's been given the Tracy treatment where she's getting cancelled in real time. She's just increasingly being made more and more invisible. Why are you looking at me so confused? Because I didn't know who Tracy was. <laughs> exactly. She was the one this season before <laughs> where she was meant to be a housewife and she had Tiki oh my the gosh, husband. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just kind of like demoted her in the edit. <laughs> That's so oh, funny. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. My point exactly. <laughs> and I just feel like it's annoying because I've always sided with Jackie and I agree with her technically on whatever her position is in an argument. But if she were a better housewife, she would have gotten her revenge on Teresa by going around that fucking wedding reception being like, yeah, yeah. I heard Louis does stuff at the gym. <laughs> you know, gym. come on. It's ridiculous. And yeah. also, one final point, I think it's real unforgivable flop behavior of Rachel Fuder to have not come to the wedding despite being invited out of loyalty to Melissa. Who's Rachel Fuder? The other new one. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, okay, Sorry. 
sorry. <laughs> Why do I bother? Whatever. I'm just like, do you not want to be on TV? Yes. This is Teresa's wedding. It's going to be a pretty big deal. Just get the camera time while you can. You're going to be a one season wonder anyway. Yeah. She's sure. too young. She's too young. She's my age. She was born in 91. And I think this is an argument this, against... Uh, this is going to be a big point of topic next week. This thing of housewives where they then are like, and I'm 26. And I'm like, fuck me, are you ever 26? <laughs> <Bollocks> you <are>. like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but put us next to each other and you definitely look older. Yeah, that was my big takeaway from Rachel is you do not look like you're 31. That is mad. Mm -hmm. Madness. Mm -hmm. Right, let's talk about the reunion. I'm getting really hot and bothered here. I just want to get it over and done with because, well, that is what the reunion was like. Hot, bothered, chaotic, white noise. Even Andy Cohen just seemed to lose the will and just like (laughs) screaming at everyone. And it just, it was so exhausting. I thought it was a very good reunion, actually. And I thought it elevated an otherwise pretty humdrum, unremarkable season. I really liked how we hit the nasty hostility between Melissa and Teresa straight away in a way that felt very reminiscent of that season two reunion. Very old school. The montage of all the kids and Andy's like, look at all these Jersey kids being cute. And then Teresa immediately is like, ah, that's so nice. But Danielle is a skanky whore and she didn't go and see Jacqueline's baby at the hospital. And like immediately throws Andy across the room. It kind of felt like a bit of a successor to that. So uh, there was no being about the bush and I loved it. And I also loved that we started with a little cameo from Joe Judice. Yes, yeah. That was sweet. uh, Yeah, Tree, can you use... uh, (laughs) Could you ask uh, Bill if he does... uh, That's Bill. Surgery for his his, uh, eye bags. Eye bags. Loved it. Love it. I also thought, obviously, a lot of screeching and yelling, but I actually thought, given the circumstances of that, Melissa had a pretty good showing, and I was not expecting that from her. I thought she did great. I thought Melissa held it, which is why I was really surprised when my Twitter was like full of people being like, look at Melissa flailing, it's her last season. I thought she did really, came out really well. She had a fair amount of poise. Yeah, and managed to stay very clear and kind of laugh off the right moments and to constantly feel like she fell down on the right side of argument where Teresa was just did that thing of burning herself out as a firecracker and then ending up just like getting up and walking off because she didn't know what to say and then being like, don't you follow me? Yeah. And it's yeah. just like no one was. And she was, I've completely changed my thoughts about the season because to be honest, a lot of the preseason publicity and a lot of the narrative on the show with Melissa not coming to Teresa's wedding and stuff, that's quite a statement to make. And it's hard to come back mm. from that. And Dolores said as much. And then when Teresa at the breakfast the next day kind of equated Melissa with Kathy. So if she's given Melissa the Kathy treatment, then that's sort of a death sentence on this show. And it really did just feel like this was Melissa's final season and sort of everyone was kind of at peace with that. I also kind of think that would be the best thing for Melissa and Joe. I'm like, I think maybe you guys should just go and live your life now. Completely. But like, they also... Like, Melissa, go have a music career or something. Go have a spin-off show. But hey, she's always on display. She needs to be. Each and every day. On display, on display, on display. I can Um, feel the... Do you think, so has she been fired? Has she left? No, I completely thought going into this reunion that she would have been fired and that everyone was like, we've milked this cow dry. However, I thought that the way she came out swinging this reunion with a lot of gumption without it coming across Mm -hmm. like a desperate last attempt at survival, which could have worked against her. And I think they did a really clever thing, which I think has kept them on the show for now. 
by not necessarily going at Teresa, but going at her through Louis mm-hmm. and using him as a surrogate. So they managed to position themselves as anti-Louis rather than anti-Teresa. Yeah, I agree. Which, of course, was helped by the fact that Louis just turned out a complete train wreck performance and came across like this wide-eyed conspiracy theorist. I just thought it was like tactically a very clever showing from Melissa and Joe on a show that doesn't value strategy very much. I was just very impressed. Your eyes just did the funniest thing. What? Did they your do a Louis? Your eyes just like rolled the whole way around in your head. You just did all It was like, whoa. Woo! I'm a dizzy. And talk, talk to me more about Louis on the reunion because it makes me laugh. Um, what have I got written down about Louis? I don't have anything written down about Louis. <laughs> Which is more of the same, wasn't it? Yeah, there was that really funny bit when he went over and congratulated Rachel on being a mother. <laughs> like being a good mother. <laughs> Um. <laughs> he is charming I'll give him that I think if he came over to me and shook my hand about something because I've kind of dealt with guys like him I couldn't pinpoint an exact example but like boyfriends of girls who I'm sort of acquaintances with and I recognize that they're very sort yeah. of like toxic masculine would probably say something homophobic yeah. behind my back but they sort of like give me a really firm handshake and you sort of find yourself like straightening up and be like yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank, thank, thanks mate appreciate it yeah 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 it's kind of hard to like go against the grain of that in a way so he's quite persuasive yeah, totally. i completely see how he would swindle someone but do you think that he would have i i I think there's been a misunderstanding with Rachel and John and their kid and John's baby mama and all that stuff. I just don't feel like Louis would have reached out to her for nothing else. I just think that Rachel and John are pretty inconsequential. Like, why? No one cares about you. Yeah, I guess. I don't know, unless he asked for, like, information to be got on everyone. I think that was an issue for me from the reunion, was stuff is being thrown out and people are saying it with so much conviction where I'm going, okay, this is important, I need to pay attention, but I could not for the life of me follow the through line. The whole thing with the pizza ovens. Oh my God, yeah. weird (laughs) hacking of phones and stuff. They're like, no, but you have to have their number in your contacts in order for the hacking to work. Like, no, this was from a landline, so that couldn't possibly be... I'm not like, what? It just, yeah. A lot of it just didn't make sense. Yes, totally. But also Andy seemed really invested in it as well. Like he knew what they were talking about. He was like, yo, this is a thing. And also when Frank was randomly just like came out as having been Joe Gorga's lawyer, attorney. <laughs> I was just like, what? What a stupid double act. I don't think this came up in the reunion, but I saw an article. I didn't read the article, but I saw a headline the other day where Frank was being interviewed and he said that Louis had scuppered his chances of having a spin-off show with Joe Gorga. And I'm like, thank fucking God for that then. Like, Jesus Christ, I can't think of anything fucking worse. And I thought that was really interesting was Dolores's actions and the way that she was speaking up when Frank piped up about little Frankie. Little Frankie. And his issue working for Louis. She shut it down really quick. Yeah, she did. She didn't fanny about whatsoever. But that's very Dolores. She was starting. She kind of had that vibe the whole way through. You know where Melissa reads out the text that Jacqueline Larita sent to Jackie, slagging off Teresa, and then you just hear Dolores in the yes. background being like, oh, this is bad for you, Melissa. I'd sleep with one eye open if I was you. <laughs> She's... <laughs> I've been to this part of the zoo before and you you, you don't read our texts. <laughs> oh my God, that bit when Teresa suddenly was like standing Jacqueline and Andy Cohen was like, you have to see that this is like the biggest joke. 
But this ever. is what we've always said about her, isn't it? It's like she kind of bears a grudge, but also has a really shitty short-term memory. And she can only have the cerebral capacity to have one feud at any given time. If I have to hear her accuse one more person of being the reason she went to jail, like, I swear to God. It's like a conga line of accusees at this point. I think maybe you is the yeah. people. And you oh know something. God. I'm just saying. So a reader reached out to us about Dolores. And they wanted to know what our thoughts were about this. With the way that Dolores shut that shit down with Frankie, they mm. believe that there's more than we've been led to believe about her friendship with Teresa and that Teresa may have something on Dolores. And I was wondering what your thoughts were on that. It definitely felt like a show of loyalty that was, I don't believe, I think if it had just been the case that they'd got it wrong, she'd have been very like... No, I don't think it was a very clear cut shutdown. Yeah, of something where it felt like a show of loyalty to Teresa Nui being like I said if that would come up that I would shut it down like that, and she did. Mm -hmm. So yeah, probably. Do you think it's as nefarious as Teresa has something on her? Because I just don't think Teresa's that cunning or smart enough to blackmail someone. No, I think it's just choosing a side. And I also do think. Dolores can be a vault for stuff when need be but she's also very open about other stuff so like when she was on Watch What Happens Live Andy was like Dolores do you know anyone who's on Ozempic and she was like yeah me yeah I'm on it and it was just like oh even Andy was like oh I wasn't expecting you to be that upfront about it okay <laughs> so I feel like I'm giving a really disappointing answer here but I think that Dolores no, but I agree. is just I don't, yeah. she's just loyal and she's old school yeah and I just think she thinks it's very unethical to send her friends up on TV and I just don't think she wanted Frankie to be part of it I thought what was interesting though about the Dolores interaction is that I kind of feel like she's maybe letting Frank go It felt like a repudiation of Frank and putting a distance there. I feel like that generally has been a, yeah. Which is going to be a a bitter pill to swallow. (laughs) Yeah. I I like Frank, Tanya. Really? Yes, I find the boys' antics boring. Yes, I find all of the airtime boring. But I do like him more than Paulie. Yeah, Paulie's got to step it up. Yeah. Show some personality at the moment. He's just like a brick. Step his pussy up. (laughs) Mm. I think that considering we had this Andy discussion a couple of weeks ago, I thought that there were quite a few interesting points about Andy and his adjudication style here, where Mm -hmm. he was being very economical about his time and making it clear what was and wasn't worth lingering on, considering that he kind of did. I know it's hard to wrangle Teresa, but it was outside the amount of Teresa yelling that there was. But then when it got to like... Danielle and Rachel butted heads this season. He really cut to the chase and was sort of giving them performance reviews in real time and telling Danielle that she needs to stand her ground and fight or get over it. And that (laughs) Rachel was just over embellishing this whole thing. And the whole fight's kind of stupid and they just need to make up tonight or else you're fired. It just felt like he really didn't have a performance review. I'd love that if at the end of each season there was just a performance review of all of them. Imagine if they got like let go in real time, like The Apprentice at the end of each season. I remember. Andy said that in the season four reunion of Beverly Hills, he was like daydreaming. This is so funny. He was daydreaming while Joyce was talking because she was saying something really boring. And he was like, wouldn't it be wild if I just fired Joyce right now? (laughs) And she said, Joyce, get out. God, I wish you would have done it. That's so funny. Um, But Andy Um, is so rude to Jen. 
I feel like it was really obvious once we made that point and then I watched this episode of The Reunion and I know that he may find her personally annoying but I feel like it's getting to the point where his personal dislike of her is clouding his judgment as an arbiter at a reunion. I didn't notice. There was just, I I can't pinpoint specific examples but there were a couple of instances where Jen would go on to make a point and then Marge would be like, this is boring. And then Annie would be like, I agree. And I, I was like, no, actually I do want to hear more about this. Yeah, but I guess we also don't know whether Jen Aiden maybe does go on and I don't know. We don't know if that's like a cut down version of... I, yeah, you might be right mm-hmm. though. I also thought Andy was completely bullshitting and I feel like he's normally very honest and straight within the strict confines that he finds himself. Yeah. I thought he was completely bullshitting with this whole take on how they cast Melissa. How... Wait, well, Teresa was like, Melissa was cast on the show to fight with me. And then Andy was like, no, I mean, our thinking was casting Melissa was... She's cute, her husband's funny, and she has the same staircase as Teresa. Isn't that wild? And it's like, you're being cute right now you clearly cast her as a foil to Teresa at best if not you know like you can read between the lines she has the same staircase as Teresa you know how Teresa is and Teresa would think that that's her copy like come on yeah Andy have you seen that also annoyed me I know I have an opinion about it Andy (laughs) that was Vicky at that one reunion when she's saying like it's disgusting what Bronwyn does and he's like oh my god I was just watching that one that's her choice it's so funny and she has this like bubble in her throat where she sounds like a muffin (laughs) I know and I have an opinion about it Andy (laughs) that reunion is amazing when she's obsessed about it being her show so fucking get off my show when they have Um, that whole thing oh no I can't we'll talk about it another time But I also found it interesting. All of the Teresa stands on my Twitter were obsessed with the bit when Andy went to get her back. And everyone was like, see the way he talks to her and the way that he assures her he's going to fix it. And the way that he's, and I was like, that's just like management. It really annoyed me that people were using that as if there's like, they were like the amount of genuine care he clearly has for Teresa. Where it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree. Listen, he's been working with her for over a decade now. I'm sure there is a lot of personal yeah. affection there, but I don't think it's like he cares that she's upset in that moment. I think it's more like no, I think he knows he's the person to go and get her back and be like, come on, let's keep going. But I also think if someone like Jen Aiden got up and stormed off, or Rachel stormed off, he'd be like, where's she going? Can like someone get her? I don't think he would personally go and corral them from their dressing room to yeah, come back maybe. into the room. You know, I think. Listen, we all know how I feel about Teresa, but she is a star and she is still the linchpin of the show, which is incredible considering... One of 1,500 linchpins. Yes. (laughs) Very good. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Anything else on the reunion? I don't know if you have any opinions about her, but I found Danielle as an addition a really frustrating one in that she is so charming and so telegenic. Yeah. And so clearly belongs on the Real Housewives of New Jersey, but is actually pretty crap at playing the game. Yeah. And she gave a really shitty reunion performance where, you know, it ended up with this sort of reveal. I can't even remember the specifics of it now, but wasn't it that she was set up by Jennifer to take the fall for this whole Melissa cheating stuff? Mm. And then Andy, you could tell, was so clearly serving it up to Danielle and prodding her and going, Danielle, do you feel betrayed? And she was like, no. (laughs) And it's like, well... (laughs) <laughs> like I shit on Tamara for her heavy handedness but she she would have taken it the that and she would have yeah, run yeah. with it she would have cried stormed off stage yelled in her dressing yes. room called Jennifer a snake would have set her up nicely for like a change in the dynamic next season and there was none of that I just yeah. feel like so much of Real Housewives is improv and the good players know to yes and yes and, and the worst sure. ones just let the momentum just peter out and I'm holding out for Danielle because I feel like she has it in her she's great totally 
Totally. There's just like a lot of like yeah, her puffing her chest. True. It's all bark and no bite. She needs to like stand her ground. Totally. I thought Margaret was so boring. Yeah, I'm just like, what's happened? But then she also just seemed a bit diminished. She seemed a bit of a shell of herself and a bit tired and maybe she's a bit over the show. I don't know. It must be hard to maintain that momentum personally and Aye. not get too aware of the dynamics of it and how it works. But I just think there just seems to be no humour yeah. or life there and she just feels very rote in her performance and I just, she needs to step it up as well. Yeah, I agree. So what do you think they should do going forward or should they do anything? Hmm. If you were a producer or a casting director on the show. They've got to get the Melissa Teresa dynamic off the rails. I think you said it best, bring back Danielle and go back to a winter season. But we need someone like Danielle there's no, you need a, a worthy opponent of someone like Teresa, but where it's new, just a new record. Mm-hmm. I would bin Margaret and Rachel. In fact, maybe that whole side of the sofa and Melissa. Yeah, I can't believe it. Scrap but, yeah. all of the boy content and put in some new players and properly like explode the other sofa. Yeah. And I just want to see more Louis content. <laughs> yes. But it's so confusing, isn't it? And I can't help but keep going back to these conversations that we have where it feels like Bravo is at a bit of a crossroads right now. And there's a lot of really weird mixed messaging coming from all sorts of different cities where we have New York that wants to be very aspirational and well-adjusted people who are nice to each other. And then we have someone like Louis where surely your instincts as a reality TV producer are to milk this cow dry. Mm -hmm. But that also seems antithetical to what they're doing on New York. And they want to kind of like keep it moving. They're like firing some OGs in some cities, but then bringing them back a few seasons later. We seem to be very nostalgic for the old days, but also reassess Mm -hmm. it through this new critical lens as being problematic and I don't know where would it lead I feel very unstable I feel like a child of divorce I am a child of divorce (laughs) why do you feel like a child of divorce from New Jersey what do you mean from Bravo in terms of that instability and like I feel like they don't know they're disagreeing with each other but they're like staying quite stagnant and they don't know what they're doing with it and there's no forward momentum and you're like stop fighting yeah and I feel like the new Real Housewives of New York is like my new stepmom where I'm like I hate her (laughs) she's a bitch yeah I think this is why we do this show though isn't it because if you just go back and live in the past Alessonia Morgan (laughs) then nothing bad can touch you then you could just be in your fantasy yeah Talking the past, should we talk about what we're going to do next week? Yeah. I'm really excited. I've been loving it. So a couple of episodes ago, I mentioned in passing The Real Housewives of Vancouver and how I think it's one of the darkest, most terrifying bits of television I've ever seen. And Ellie, of course, because she has good taste, latched onto that and went ahead and watched it. And I was very nervous because she kind of said that she was watching it and then sort of went radio silent, but then would message me about Emily Simpson doing a lap dance at Las Vegas. So I was like, oh God, she thinks it's boring. She's gone back to Orange County of all things. This is a terrible state of affairs. But then you finished at least the first season and you were like, that was pretty yeah, bloody yeah, good. Yeah, I'm on to the second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on to the second. It's all good. It's fantastic. I'm very excited to chat about it. We're living in like, this is firmly 2010s era. It feels like an old school Real Housewives episode. Yes. All of them read like case files from an abandoned insane asylum or something. They are just, there's so much. We've kind of like messaged each other a bit about certain characters, but we could easily spend an hour talking about these lunatics and I cannot wait. It's going to be great. So 
if also you have watched it, great, join the party. If you haven't, you can find it on Hey You. Get on it. Um, or in Tubi in the US for free. And if you haven't watched it, we're going to be impeccable storytellers and we'll make it a great listen anyway. As always, yeah. be like my brother. Listen, even though you don't watch the show. Yes. Be like Josh. Listen out of familial obligation. <laughs> Should take, Can I take us out? Yeah. <clears throat> How does it start? Thank you for joining. Thank you for joining us on the Housewives <laughs> If you enjoyed the show, don't even say the words. Do the case. a review or would also really help us as well. And we'll see you next time on the Housewives. Bye. Bye. <laughs> and stop following me.